Hi folks, welcome to the um, next edition of Serverless Crack with um, myself, uh, Dave Anderson. I'm a, a technical fellow at Bizarre Voice and author and contributor to Serverless Edge. Uh, Mike? Mark McCann. Oh, sorry. Go, go Mike, we'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael O'Reilly, um, architect with Globalization Partners, contributor with the Serverless Edge. Hey everyone. I'm Mark McCann, uh, author and contributor at Service Edge, stay at home dad. Good stuff. So we're, we're continuing our um, series of talking about each of the pillars of the well-architected framework. We talked about the um, operational excellence pillar last time, and we have a few other um, that was in the last episode. Um, now we're going to talk about security this time um, as our favorite well-architected pillar, or which one is our favorite well-architected pillar. Uh, we have a few previous um, episodes about security. So it goes without saying that a prerequisite is threat modeling. If you're going to talk about security, threat modeling is your number one, just to understand where you are. Um, but the, as a pillar, this is quite interesting. There's 10 questions for this pillar and a couple of different sections. We'll kind of fly through them. And question one, which seems a very simple question, is how do you security operate your workload? There's a lot in that. Yeah. <clears throat> No, it's a huge one. Like, <laughs> um, and I don't know. I don't know is a good answer. Yeah, say, I don't know what you think about that one, but but certainly you could go down any kind of avenue on that. I, I know with the well-architected sort of security um, pillar that that one is aimed at your you know how secure is your organization effectively. Like, so it'll go into things like you know how you're um, managing accounts. You know, how's your is your control tower hooked up? you know, are you using guard duty and, and really just looking at sort of the breadth of, you know, um, your, your security operation at, at an organizational level. So this is one where, you know, typically um, it does promote the teams getting a bit of awareness about security in general uh, across the, the organization and how it plays into things. But yeah. typically like types of things I engage on typically when we're looking at workloads is, you know, things like blast radiuses, um, you yeah. know, are, you know, if something goes down, you know, how are we going to recover it? Or have we had the, you know, is there a case there for, for things like yeah. failover, or, you know, resiliency? So it's, it's a good one. It is a bit, it is a broad one, but you know, it, there, there are things you can kind of zoom in and focus on that yeah. question, I think. Yeah. And I think even just how you've, how uh, granular your account uh, posture is, is a big one. And in, in the past, you would have one big account. That had everything, and the blast radius was huge. I think with yeah. the modern techniques and modern capabilities and improvements, you you can be much more fine green and have many more accounts that are uh, limit your blast radius and, and secure things. And then you know things like single sign on or, or godsend for some yeah. of these things to help yeah. manage that that burden. And and AWS organizations, Control Tower, Cloud Trail. There's lots of um, maturing capabilities that really help you have a good um, at least initial posture. Uh, yeah. from one account point of view. Uh, one thing I like about Well Architected, there's always a nice flow to the questions and sessions. So the first question, how do you securely operate your workload? Mm. That straight away gets into identity and access management. Mm. But your inventory of people and machines, how do you manage that? How do you manage like blast radius, managing permissions, you know, all that process around adding and removing both you know people accounts and machine accounts and different resources. Again, that's, that's sort of like... Um, you know, again, in a, in a modern cloud um, environment, that, that's that's rule number one. That, that that's yeah. tightly managed and automated. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean that 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 one in particular is quite an important one because it's it's a quite a complex thing, mm. you know, and normally it does tie back into some sort of enterprise or broader kind of I am sort of policy, you know, and and it does get teams asking the question, you know, what is what is my authorization controls around this particular component, or you know, if this user was to leave the system, you know, how do we you know how do we do that in, a, in, a, in an effective secure way or someone's leaving organization you know um, yep. how do we make sure that all their access is kind of revoked so exactly. again it, it forces you to have those conversations which is yeah. which is definitely always a positive yeah, and i think that the least privilege principle really comes to the fore here and mm. and especially in serverless workloads you know as you ephemerally sort of spinning stuff up and down you know, you can be tempted to just give star star to everything and, and open up the world and your blast radius is massive and you know, you've got a big security hole. So you need to be very, very aware of the least privilege principle and you gotta, you know, give it the minimal amount to be functional and and you gotta automate that and you gotta build build it into part of your automation. Otherwise it just becomes an unmanageable burden in a in a, in a ephemeral sort of workspace. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the, and then the next next area is which I think is one of my favorite ones is detective controls. <laughs> how you detect and investigate security events. I, I always love the way security people talk about um, left of attack, you know, all the things that happened before the attack. Mm. There'll be a time when the attack happens and that's, that's okay, you know, that's, that's panic stations, but there's usually a whole bunch of stuff before that that you can act on. And that could be like two years prior, could be stuff happening. Oh, yeah. So there's a, whole, there's, a whole, there's a whole mindset around detecting weird activity where people are probing your 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 system before the actual attack, and that that that's that's the really fascinating. That's the what do you call it? The the hunter side of of of, of cybersecurity. Where people try and find um, breaches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that and that particular one is that normally you know something that a lot of squads, you know, I, I'll admit, you know, that 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 is a difficult kind of conversation because you know typically when you're in that section, you're kind of looking at, well, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the tech that's used is machine learning, looking for anomalies in your traffic or, or things that kind of just look out of, out of whack and maybe raising certain events for you to kind of come, come and take a look at, um, you know, but uh, in general, a lot of it kind of just, you know, you'd be using sort of the everyday type detection um, type controls, you know, making sure that your observability is good. And if something happens, yeah. you can kind of alert off it or, drawing your attention to certain you know if you, if you do see something someone's kind of maybe trying something they're not can you see it um you know and that kind of that always ties back into you know good observable and, I, and i'm thinking you know yeah. I, i'm always guilty of falling into thinking about things in the appsec kind of perspective but like look if there are kind of flows through your app where you wouldn't expect to see traffic or things like that that you do someone gets notified and, and that stuff's kind of traceable, but, but yeah, there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of cool things happening in there. You know, David, you described sh- sitting to the left, you know, where your security org is probably more active than your yeah. typical app developer. Yeah. yeah it seems yeah. on, on, on an point of view, it's just keeping abreast of latest developments and, and being responsive mm-hmm. to new emerging threat vectors, like log4j as an example, right? You know, how do you respond to that, that new, new bit of information, right? To the left of yeah. your, your detection, right, and how do you, how do you respond? And, and I guess practicing a good one, yeah. You know, g- game days and you know, security chaos engineering are all ways of building good detective control capabilities and, and sharpening the saw for this stuff. Is like what happens if scenarios really help. Uh, yeah, you know, is your observability where it should be? Do you have the right logging and monitoring and alerting and alarming that that you should have for for 
rapidly detecting and, and remediating some of these events. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, log, the, the Log4j one's a cracker because, you know, when you, when you, when you kind of use those events as, as they happen, you normally find what is a better way for us to kind of look through our bill of materials and kind of assess whether or not we're, um, you know, we're affected or, you know, how long did that actually take us to, to correct or detect, you know, are we vulnerable or not, you know, um, and, and I think we all, I'm sure a lot of us, certainly yeah. found things, a lot of us find things we could tighten up, but again, that's a good, that's the type of conversation that you would maybe have in, in, in that section, you know. Yeah, so it's a good one, I mean, I could probably tell a million stories about uh, Detective, but uh, I, I won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, yeah. the next one is infrastructure protection, we'll just skip over that, because I mean, I think that's, that's a lot of the network and compute protection, which should be yeah. fairly well understood, and they're super important. Yeah. The next one is um, data protection. Um, yeah. And again, I mean, there's there's some stuff here about about encryption, etc., in REST and transition. But but the interesting one here is how do you classify your data, which is which is a bit of a it's a tough question. And and I always think, does your organization understand your data classification? Is another interesting question. Yeah, I think it's a big one. I think um, we 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 mentioned the code is a liability, and in a lot of regards, your data can also be a liability that you need to. Manage appropriately. I've you know, heard the, the line to uh, data is the new oil. Well, oil, if you don't store it correctly, is quite toxic and Tech. damaging and flam flammable and uh, has all sorts of you know, uh, impacts. So if you don't understand your data, if you haven't classified it correctly, you just don't know what you have. So you know, one yeah. of the first things you can really do is get a good handle on the data that you have. Is it valuable? Is it needed? Are you getting business value out of that? And if you're not, yeah. get rid of it. You know, make sure you have yeah. your, your retention policy set and your deletion policies and all your archiving all set up properly. I, I typically find that most organizations do have a good data classification document or, or you know, something that describes a data classification as it pertains to either the industry or, or the organization themselves. I think the challenge you've got is getting engineering teams to kind of be able to understand it and look at it. Um, so I know that us in previous kind of engagements, we've woven in the the sort of the, the conversation around data classification into the threat modeling exercise. You know, so whenever we go into a threat modeling exercise, the first sort of section we kind of go through is what sort of data are we dealing with, um, and then it you know, typically, you know, whatever organization you're in, you'll put a link on the threat modeling template to the data classification standard, the force, the facilitator kind of going to have a look at it. So then you can kind of know, actually, yeah, we're dealing with that toxic kind of, you know, um, sensitive information that uh, we should be taking extra precautions around. We should be designing um, controls into the workflow um, and, and, and for that. And then, and then I think the obviously the well architected you get into the mechanics afterwards. So we know we're dealing with yeah. restricted, you know, um, information that's classified uh, classes restricted. You know, so can we do we have proper um, encryption uh, capabilities? You know, are we moving stuff that in an encrypted fashion? Are we storing stuff in an encrypted yeah. fashion? Mm -hmm. Are we tagging it? You know, Mark, you mentioned earlier about least privilege. You know, um, are we? Are, can we track who's actually looked at that data? Can we track where that data was moved to? Can we? Um, have we got least uh, privileged access controls on that, on that data? Um, so that's a very good one in terms of you know making sure that you're um, you're you're architecting for the sensitivities yeah. or sort of data classification. And even from a overall well-architected guardrails, try and automate some of the guardrails into your your provisioning infrastructure so that. 
encryption at rest, encryption at transit, tagging, a lot of these basic security sort of capabilities are turned on so that no resource can be created that doesn't at least adhere to these basic uh, good practices. Yeah, very good. Um, exactly. So then the last the last section then is incident response. Um, I mean, it's fairly self-explanatory. Um, it's just hard to uh, respond and recover from incidents. I mean, obviously you want to have be very well drilled and have as much automation as possible. Um, sounds straightforward, like, but it's 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 complicated, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it ties back into the operational excellence pillar. You know, you kind of yeah. you're anticipating these events ahead of time, and then you know if you're anticipating them, have we got like associated run books or playbooks to kind of facilitate squads in in yeah. them yeah. particular circumstances? So exactly, it's a good. Yeah. I think, I think that, a lot a lot a lot of it's around education as well and making sure that. Everybody in the organization understands what you do in the event of an incident. And you don't want a junior developer noticing something and not feeling confident or capable to raise their hand and say, hey, there's something that's not quite right here. You want to have that really psychologically safe environment for everybody to be aware of and and understand that it's it's the right thing to do to to raise an incident or, or query something that's not quite right. So I find in the security pillar, there's a nice arc. It starts with people and it ends with people. So it kind of just goes through all the technical stuff in the middle, but it's 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 really security is a, is a, a people responsibility uh, at the start and end of it. So so that's the crack. That's the end of our chat. Then um, thanks very much for listening. Uh, next, I think we're going to do the um, uh, reliability pillar. And please look out at the blog on uh, the serverlessedge.com and at serverless um, edge on Twitter. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Mm-hmm.